turn in your Bibles, if you would, to the book of 1 John, the epistle of 1 John. Epistle of 1 John. Praise God. You can just stay seated, but maybe we should pray for Japan. There are probably, I don't know, hundreds, maybe even thousands of people trapped this morning. And let's hope that some of them are still alive. So just bow our heads and ask God to intervene. Lord, as we were looking at last week, we can pray in this country and the hand of God can move in another. And we pray this morning for Japan particularly. Lord, for anyone who is trapped, would your God send your grace and your mercy upon that nation? Would you give wisdom and skill to the rescue teams and lead them to the right place? Holy Spirit, would you lead them? I ask you to remind them for the, the things they've heard about the gospel, the words they've heard, the songs they've heard, the things they've seen on telly or whatever about God, that in these desperate moments they will turn and they will pray, pour out salvation all over that nation. And I pray even in these days as such terrible things envelop the whole world, God, let it be for good and let men not be stubborn but soften their hearts to return to Almighty God. And Lord, we give ourselves to you this morning. We need help also. We need the entrance of your word into our lives. And like chicks in the nest, we, we give ourselves to you. Would you graciously come and be our teacher this morning, Holy Spirit, and open our understanding and our intellect, our minds to see and receive the word of God. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Last week we did parts one and two of a new series entitled Prayer Changes Things. It's kind of funny, uh, Kahiso just mentioned foundations, the fact that we're doing foundations again. Personally, I have no problem doing foundations one, foundations two, a thousand times because I know there's so much in it. But unfortunately, many people think, you know, that you can actually move on from those things. You can't move on from those things. You, you move on through those things, not from. Through things like studying repentance, which is an, an endless theme, studying prayer, studying the basics, like the Our Father, you see? And many of you, though you carry a big, thick Bible, many of you maybe can't even pray for more than five minutes. It's just the truth. Don't go on a guilt trip or anything. I, I, that's not my intention. I just want you to understand there's reasons for that. And they're very basic reasons that we don't keep working through the foundations, through the basics. This is how we grow. So they said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And he did. And he showed them a very definite structure that we began to look at last week. The Our Father Last Sunday night in part two, we saw how everything in the kingdom is really predicated upon you forgiving other people. Sorry, <laughs> but the great promises of God that you hear so much about, and many of you could quote the memory verses, or at least the first part. You know, even the Our Father itself, as soon as Jesus finished the prayer, he turned to the people and he said, oh yes, but you do understand unless you forgive your brothers from your heart, none of this works. It's amazing. 
The kingdom of God is based upon forgiveness. And the scary bit is this. Please listen, because I'm dealing with a few folks at the moment, not, not here in this city, in other cities, who just will not forgive. And I don't know quite what to do about it. I'm trying to deal with it, but I think I'm going to have to, <laughs> to sit one of these characters down and say, do you know what? Your sins are not forgiven. And no doubt that person will say to me, what? I'm born again. I'm a spirit-filled Christian. I'm a leader. And I say, well, that may be your opinion, but this is all I've got. This is all I've got. And you're telling me that you cannot forgive this person. And this book says, if you do not forgive your brother from your heart, nor will your sins be forgiven. Read it. Read it. This is the Jesus you're going to face. So don't mess about with this stuff. Don't play games here. So it's really serious that we get the foundations of prayer right and remind ourselves there is a protocol, as we'll see in a moment. You see, folks, it's not complicated things that stop you growing. It's not rocket science that stops us growing, either personally or collectively. It's the basics. It's simple things. And just by way of introduction this morning, what do I mean by simple things? Well, number one, have you ever heard this, right? I hear this all the time. Every prayer is answered. Oh, you can pray. And be sure of this when you pray, that God hears and answers every prayer. Have you heard that? I have heard that many, many times. That's not true. It's nonsense. Not only does God not answer every prayer, but the Bible says that God doesn't even hear every prayer. In Psalm 66, verse 18, it says this, that if I hold sin in my heart, in other words, if I won't let sin go, God does not even hear my prayer. So not all prayers are answered, and not even all prayers are even heard. God shuts his ears to those cries. And it's not just in Psalm 66. There's several other places where that is spelled out. So that's a common error, a common mistake, taking too light an approach to prayer. Secondly, and this is all over the place. Look at me a moment. Listen. It's the easiest thing in the world to listen to someone speak negatively. The words that come out of their mouth negative about themselves, about whatever, and, and you as a Christian look at them and say, that's terrible. And then you do the same thing. Easiest thing in the world. To see a fault in another... They say we see the faults in others that we ourselves have, right? Easiest thing in the world to do that. And it's a common problem with prayer, you see. You may think that when other people speak negatively, that's dangerous for them. Because that will affect, obviously, their prayer life. But you, you might think you're exempt. <laughs> but you're not. I see it like Russian roulette, you know. Bam, bam. Words are like that. Sooner or later, they're going to get you. You will be bound. Jesus says this, you will have whatever you say. That's you. That's you. So every day, what comes out of our mouth, we're, we're pouring out words. You need to make sure they're positive words. Right? Right? <laughs> be careful. Guard it. I had a problem with negativity. Not a big problem, but enough of a problem to want it dealt with. 
One minute I would pray something positive, but I couldn't hold my positivity together and very quickly would turn and maybe say a few negative statements and then back to positive and back to negative. And I thank God I, I, I've got that under control. It's just my nature, I suppose. And I don't know what you're like, but you see, fresh water and dirty water don't come out of the same fountain, the Lord says. A tree can't bear good fruit and bad fruit. That's what Jesus says. So I've got to be careful what's coming out of my mouth. Set a guard over the door of my mouth, O oh Lord. Lest with, in one minute I pray positively, and in the next minute, what's coming from me is not good. Well then, obviously, the source is not good. Purify this spirit. Purify this well within me, God. Common mistakes when it comes to prayer. We are all accountable for our speech and it will affect our prayer life. Common mistake number three, thinking that there is no protocol when you enter heaven. There is great protocol before God. Just like, common example, but just like as if when you go to see the queen, there's, there's, there's protocol. You're not just going to walk in and say, ah, hi Liz, you know. You're not going to do that. It's not going to happen. There's going to be all sorts of, of barriers before you, levels of entrance. And so it is with God. So it is with God. That's what the Our Father is about. Lord, teach us how to pray. We pray and it doesn't seem to work. You pray and it's, ah, well, I'll teach you protocol then. When he taught them how to worship the Father, our Father, there's a protocol. There is a way to enter before God. I mean, look at some of the prayers in here. Look at Daniel or Nehemiah. And look how they prayed before they prayed, if you like. How they exalted God and then brought in their prayer. Read the first few chapters of Nehemiah. Today, if you turn to 1 John and look at verse, uh, chapter 5 and verse 14, I want to talk about the praying in the will of God. Praying in accordance with the will of God. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 14. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of Him. So there is a prayer that I can pray and know that God is not only heard, but also answered me. And that's a prayer basically that starts in the heart of God. It's not for no reason that the study of scriptures, the study of God is called theology. It's an ology. It's a science. Okay? And with today's message, that becomes a little bit maybe more clear why it's a science. In order to understand the... I, I, I don't know about you, but I not only want to know how something works, I want to know why. Because when I know why, it helps me understand why I'm doing what I'm doing, not just what I'm doing, right? And Scripture is very clear about why God wants you to pray. Not just how to pray, but why. Why do you have to pray anyway? I mean, why doesn't just God pray? Why doesn't Jesus just do it and, you know, give us a day off? Right? And when I understand that, the, 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 the whole foundation of prayer, it will give me clearer motivation. It will motivate me to pray because I know that it's part of the great design of God. Turn to Isaiah chapter 63 and verse 5. This is really the scripture, if you like, on which all prayer is founded. Isaiah chapter 63 and verse 5. 
Isaiah 63 and verse 5. I looked, but there was no one to help. I was appalled that no one gave support. So my own arm worked salvation for me, and my own wrath sustained me. I trampled the nations in my anger, and in my wrath I made them drunk and poured their blood on the ground. I want you just to notice something there. God in those scriptures is actually talking about salvation. And it's as if he had looked throughout the earth to find someone who could take away sins, if you like. And he's telling us here, there is no human being that he could find. There was no one found worthy. This is where the Adamic covenant comes in. And this is the foundation, really, of every prayer you'll ever pray. Why do I pray? That's my question. Why does God want me to pray? It's because of this. In the Garden of Eden, this is God's choice, God created Adam, right? And he made a covenant with Adam. Adam had a body, a soul, and a spirit. And God will never break that covenant. It's called the Adamic covenant. Listen. The highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he gave to man. He gave to Adam. Not only gave it to him, he gave him dominion, rulership. So what Adam would speak, he would see that come about in the earth. He was the prophet of the earth. Okay? So God, if you like, step, takes one step back and says, Adam, there you go. So Adam now has to speak just like God did. He named the animals, etc., etc. But you know the story. Adam fell. Adam fell for the bait of Satan and the whole thing caved in. Now what does God do? God begins to look for someone because the earth is still in the hands of men. Okay? But God will not break his word. He says in what, what you just read there, I looked throughout the whole earth, but I could find no one. So my own arm worked for me. This is why, folks, Jesus became flesh. God is so committed to the Adamic covenant that God became man rather than break his word. Okay? Do you understand that? Because that's the foundation, really, of prayer. This is why Abraham was so famous. When God wants to do something in the earth, he's looking for someone to do it through. He wanted to bring in Israel. And he looked for several thousand years, sifting through the people. No one's got any faith. Oh, Abraham. Abraham came along. And Abraham is famous simply for this reason. Abraham received the faith of God within himself and stood and became, if you like, a priest in that regard. Okay? And it's the same today. The Holy Spirit roams throughout the whole earth looking for people to pray through. Looking for people like Abraham. Abraham was a man of faith who could receive a word and believe that word and see it come to pass. On your notes there, you have a little, a little diagram in the middle of the page. This is what praying in God's will actually means. The prayer starts at the top. It starts with God. It's something that's on his mind, something that's in his heart. And the scripture says that Jesus forever lives to intercede for us. And if you like, God the Father would pass that to God the Son because Jesus prays. And Jesus maybe pass it to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit would bring that to you. And then your job is to mix it with faith and to bring that prayer back to God. 
Now, I don't know if you have had that experience, but I've had that experience many, 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 many times over where I know that something in me has come from God and he's trusting me to pray it through. I think it was Pui who came in here one day a couple of years ago and she said, I don't know what's happening to me. I, I, I lay down last night to go to sleep and I went to sleep, but my spirit just would not be quiet. And it prayed and prayed. And she was asking, what's that? I said, well, God is simply using your temple. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Look, listen. You know the devil, demons, they are disembodied spirits. They don't have a body. Remember what happened in the Garden of Eden? Adam had a body, soul, and spirit. So the authority on the earth comes with a body. No body, no authority. Okay? So a demon is a disembodied spirit. The only authority a demon has is by entering a body. By going around the earth and trying to get into someone, to move through someone, to, to do the devil's work in the earth through a body. But listen, the Holy Spirit doesn't have a body. And the Holy Spirit also roams around the whole earth looking for a temple, looking for someone to pray through. And once you start to do that, you need to be trustworthy, folks. Because often God needs to trust you. The Apostle Paul said that he had heard things he couldn't share. There's many things you can't share. But you've got to start somewhere. You've got to start by making yourself trustworthy with prayer. And then you'll start to hear your little whispers, you know. And God will use your temple. And that's fantastic. Sometimes you won't know what you're praying for. I didn't know about Japan. I just knew on Thursday I got up and I was, man, my spirit was groaning. I was just weeping, but I didn't know what. I said, Jeanette, oh, let's just go and pray. Do you feel that? Man, all day. My spirit was weeping and crying. And then it was late before we realized what had happened. I'm not surprised. There's thousands of people going to hell now and you can imagine the alarm of the Holy Spirit wake up open up your temple and let me in and let me use you for what I made you for open up your temple and let me in have an ear for me listen to me and I didn't know what because sometimes you don't sometimes the, the spirit's just crying in you Paul says doesn't he with groans and moans and, and, and inside you have that and you might not know what it is. Ask God, hallelujah. We need to be those types of vessels, amen? Vessels who are ready and willing and waiting to hear whatever, right? Hallelujah. Some of the testimonies around that type of thing can be kind of odd, you know? <laughs> you get to pray odd things, strange things. Strange things happen in the earth. So that's prayer. Prayer is because you have a body. That's it. You're in a body. That's why Jesus came in the flesh. He had to come in the flesh because he, in the flesh he had authority to take the keys as entering mankind, to take the keys off Satan, you see? The keys of death and Hades. But now he's in a spiritual body and the work is handed over to us on the earth. Right? So that's who you are. We'll, we'll cover prophet, priest, and king in another week. But that's who you are. And that's the foundation of prayer. So firstly, 
How We're going to look at different types of prayer this morning and tonight. Tonight we'll look at many different types, but just for this morning. Praying in God's will. What does that mean? How does that work? Well, that's how it works. Something that's on the heart of God gets passed to Jesus, if you like. Through the Holy Spirit, you hear about it. Right? You mix it with faith and you bring it back to God and there's the prayers. This is the design of God. You didn't create the world, he did. This is his choice. This is his design for many reasons. So how do I know what the word is? Well, that's point two on your notes there this morning. Number one, it starts with God. But number two, you may get a word or you should get a word to tell you what it is you're praying for. Sometimes that's not clear. Like with me this week with Japan, if you like, I didn't know what my spirit was groaning about. But that's what I, no doubt that's what it was. Because we have often prayed for those who are close to death that God would save them. That was like a follow-up to that. But secondly, you will receive a word. So it starts in God and you need to get, to get used to getting words. Not all words are wise to be shared. Okay? You, listen to me, become trustworthy. Become trustworthy with the Lord. Let him be able to whisper something to you. I was standing talking to this lady once. A lady of outstanding reputation. Outstanding. Fantastic individual. And I'm standing talking to her. She's talking with me. Holy Spirit speaks in my ear. She's committing adultery. (gasps) What am I supposed to do with that? I didn't say a word. Do you know what? Today is the first day I've ever mentioned that. It was years ago. I'm standing talking to her. I didn't say a word. I never have ever in my life ever told a soul. It's so long ago now it doesn't matter. What do you do with something like that? Are you? God's revealed to me. Easy does it. Okay? Easy does it. You need wisdom. Why did you tell me that, Jesus? Right? I'm not actually her pastor. Someone else is her pastor. Why are you telling me this? Well, I felt God wanted me to pray. Nice and simple. Start to intercede. Start to come in the middle. Right, Agnes? Start to get in the middle and get the demons out of this woman's life because she's going to spoil her marriage. So, I tell... I didn't even tell you, Jeanette. I tell no one because I'm going to be trustworthy. You're going to be able to trust me with secrets like Paul, Lord. You can whisper in my ear. I'm telling you this so to educate you. You can whisper in my ear and I will deal with it. So I began to pray and break the things out of that woman's life. It was about six months later at a pastor's meeting. The issue came up and someone said, we've got some bad news. Guess what? Mrs. A has been found in adultery. But the good news is we've been able to resolve the situation and the marriage is going to stay together and it looks okay. Praise the Lord. I still didn't say anything. You don't need to say anything. Okay? You don't need to say anything. There's other situations where you may need to go up and talk to someone. Where God starts to use you or or show you. You know what it says in Matthew's Gospel? Jesus knew their thoughts. Never mind what they were doing. Jesus even knew what they were thinking. Jesus knew their thoughts. And sometimes that God can reveal to you problems, issues in people. But you've got to keep your mouth shut, I find. Very often, keep your mouth shut. Or that's the last word you'll hear. Okay? Other times there may be, you know, situations when I look back, there's things I really regret. There was another situation, similar, it was also adultery actually, but I didn't do anything. And in that occasion, I made a mistake. 
But I knew, and I, it was, I was younger in the ministry, and I, God, God spoke to me about this situation, and I didn't know what to do. In fact, I waited too long. And in the end, I took the guy aside, and I said, can I talk to you? And I took him in a room, I said, please forgive me if I'm wrong. But you know what? I've got a word for you, and I've been praying for you, I just don't know how to handle it. And I told him, bam. It's true, he said, it's true. But it's too late. In their situation, it was too late. The damage was done, and God forgive me for that. So in different, once you realize that you have a role on the earth, you are the priest of God, if you like, on the earth. One of your roles is to be a vessel of prayer. The Holy Spirit will enter your temple and start to pray through you maybe things that the Spirit is praying, but also give you insights through a word. Another occasion is my first ministry position, actually, in, in Wales. I was working as a full-time evangelist, and I'm out driving one day, and clear as a bell. The, the Holy Ghost spoke to me, pray for Polly's car. Polly was one of our members. And I didn't know what to do with that sort of thing. What do you mean, pray for Polly's car? I completely ignored it. God forgive me. I just completely ignored it. But I knew I heard it. Pray for Polly's car. Polly's car is fine. You know? And then we go to the cell group. Ha! Huh, did you hear what happened, Polly's car? Ah, oh, no. Got broken into. Ha! Huh. I didn't say anything. <laughs> You'd be in trouble. Didn't say anything. But you learn. You learn. I heard that. I heard that. I heard that and I did not obey. And look at the consequence. And God will forgive you. You say, sorry, Lord. Just not switched on enough, not sensitive enough to what's happening. Forgive me and help me try again. Keep trusting me, Lord. Keep speaking to me. Amen? So this is what prayer is. Tonight, there's other types of prayer. Tonight, we'll look at the other types of prayer. But this is God praying, if you like. This is God coming through the human race, wanting to come through your temple. So number one, understand that you come in the line of Adam. Understand that as a body, soul, and spirit being, you've got authority on the earth. And the Holy Ghost wants to use your temple to pray. We, number 2.2, we get a word of direction and then we start praying down that direction. Number 3, 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 1 says, Every matter should be established. In fact, I'll just turn to it. 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 1. This will be my third visit to you. Every matter must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. And, and Paul warns them there and in other places about confirmation. Now, this has got to be one of the weakest areas in the church, in the, in the modern church's life, certainly in this part of the world. And for example, there's someone, um, I don't see them anymore. <laughs> they stopped attending because I was trying to help them. Um, some people think they can just get a word from God and go and obey it, right? Got to be careful on that, right? Prophecy should be submitted. In fact, the Bible says all, all prophecy, when you hear from God, all prophecy should be submitted to the elders for testing. But for many reasons, because people want to do what they want sort of thing, for many reasons people do not bring their intentions, their motives to the pastorate or to their cell leader or their discipler because they're frightened that they might not, inverted commas, get their way. And there's big problems with that. 
For instance, one person just over the last year has been getting word after word to do this, do that. And I say, slow down, kid. (laughs) Slow down. Foot on the brake. You need to learn some discipline. Do you know what I want you to do? The next time you get a word, do you know what you're going to do? Bring it to me. Oh, no, I'm not. How obey the Lord. Just easy does it. I'm on your side. Just trying to help you. No, I'll go. I'll just do what God says. Easy does it. Getting a little confused there about how prophecy works. This is the New Testament church, not the Old Testament church. So you get that word from God, especially for the direction of your life. You need to know how to handle it. You need to know how the word works. For example, take a look at this. I've shown you this before, but we have so many new people. They get messed up. God made man. He put Adam in the Garden of Eden, and God had a a, a relationship with Adam. He could speak to Adam, so Adam, if you like, is the prophet. No problem. Everything's going well. Now, when you move on through the patriarchs, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, God still had one man, and he spoke to those men, the leaders of the tribal families, etc. So everything's okay. God can speak. God can speak. Then you've got the judges. You can look at your index in your Bible. This is the order. Then you've got the judges. God could still speak into the nation. Prophecy got messed up with the kings because the kings, some of them wouldn't do what they were told. They were on top of the pile, if you like, over Israel. Adam messed it up a bit, but the patriarchs were pretty good by and large. The judges weren't too bad, but the kings were awful. And the kings, even though they might hear the word... They stopped obeying the word. And that's why, in your Bible, you've got prophets. So for the first time in history, God sent in an outside voice. Because he had lost his voice into the people. Why am I telling you this? Because it's relevant for you understanding how to handle the word. This system, many people think there are prophets like this today. You're not. These prophets don't exist anymore. This was a one-off. They were called the Nabai, N-A-B-I. It meant they spoke as they were carried along by the Lord. They were inerrant, not to be challenged. Okay? This era is gone. This is the Old Testament. And it failed miserably, actually. In the New Testament, do we have a prophet? Absolutely, it's Jesus Christ. He is prophet, priest, and king. And when a word comes into the church... It is to be, or to you, it is to be submitted to the church. It is to be brought to the church for guidance. Now, failure to do that will ultimately lead to failure. Well, actually, what it leads to is wasted time. Wasted time. When people don't submit words to the leadership about their lives, what happens is, it says it in Genesis, so Abraham had five years of wasted time treading water And the way to avoid that is to submit every word you bring, every word you hear. Make sure that you're talking it through. I learned this the hard way because I was a rebel. I'm not a rebel now. I'm not. I learned it the hard way by messing up my own life and wasting time in my life because I didn't want to talk to my leaders about my life or my future. Don't you learn the hard way. Learn the easy way, this way. So that when you hear a word, God puts something in your spirit, don't be afraid to talk it over. So confirmation, we need to seek confirmation in the body to any word we get. 
And number four, and this is where it gets difficult, you have a time of incubation where the Spirit of God has put a word in you. It doesn't happen, you know, often tomorrow. That would be a miracle if it did, but often there is a time of growth, a bit like a woman who is pregnant, who has conceived. Is she big when she's conceived? No. And so it is with the Word of God. And some of you, look at me and listen, some of you have had words. God has put a word in your heart, but you were unable to see it through to the birth of that word. You got stuck or you gave up somewhere along the line. When God speaks, he puts a seed in you, just like a pregnancy. In fact, that's what Paul describes it as in Romans chapter 8. Paul puts a, or God puts a seed in your spirit, something that's going to happen. It's incubation time. And now what you've got to do... Now, I mean, tell me, when a woman is pregnant and she's sitting on a seat with the seed within her, is she idle? Is anything happening? Plenty's happening. It just doesn't look like it. Plenty's happening. The seed, all the time, Jesus said, it's a miracle. The seed grows all by itself within her. And so it is in the Word of God. Now, after a little while, the woman will begin to get bigger and bigger and bigger. I can see that some of you are full of the Holy Spirit this morning. Aren't you? <laughs> the woman will, will get bigger and bigger, and then you will be able to see that seed, if you like. And again, in the Gospels, it says, when Jesus saw their faith, and what's happening to me? So God has spoken to me. I've brought it to the leadership if that's necessary. It may just be a prayer point. Like Japan, you don't need to bring it to the leadership. But if it's something of direction, God's spoken to me. My leaders agree. I'm starting to pray now. And now you've got your incubation time. And this is all through the Bible. Look at me. Listen one moment, please. The better the thing that's going to happen, it seems to me, the longer the incubation. The greater the promise, the longer I have to wait. But if you honor the promise and you treasure the promise, you will wait. And you will be patient. You have to care for the word through that time. And God will enlarge you because your spirit needs to encompass that word. Hold that word and hold that word and hold that word. And very often, folks, I'm sorry to say, but this is the truth. Very often when God gives you a word, it's the opposite that happens, isn't it? So often that is the case. God promised them milk and honey. What did he give them? Huh? God promised them milk and honey, and then he gave them manna and quail. God, you promised me milk and honey. What's this manna? What's this quail? Incubation. That's what it is. I need to teach you how to receive the word, then how to treasure the word in your heart. And there's that whole period of inverted commas, pregnancy to get through. And this requires you to be very disciplined and faithful to the word within you. Remember what God said to Habakkuk. Write the word down. Make it plain so that one who runs may read it. And even though it... What was the word? Tarry. Even though it takes a little time, wait for it, because it will surely come. You know the word wait there, actually, when it says wait for it, it doesn't mean, you know, wait for it. It means lean into it, 
press into it, push into it. That's what it means in the Hebrew. That even though the word seems to be taking time to manifest, keep on pressing into it until you actually have it in your hand. Now, failure to do this is failure, period. Whether it's church planting, whether it's a business, or anything else, you will have plenty of naysayers. You start telling people about the word you have received, right? And you will have cold water very often poured. It's a test. It's a test. And you need to be ready to face that test. For example, if a woman says she's pregnant, you don't look pregnant to me. You don't look pregnant to me. Back, see her the next day. See, I told you, you don't look pregnant. You don't. You see? And that's the type of thing that you can often be challenged with. When God says, I'm going to prosper you. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Your brothers and sisters around you may not stand with that. And you may be challenged both by lost and saved. And you need to stand your ground and say, I know the word I have received. And I know the one who gave it. And it will surely come to pass. The the greatest, I've used this example before, forgive me, but the greatest example of incubation for me was coming to Glasgow as I've shared with you that was the greatest challenge I ever faced because I brought it to my leaders I know how this thing works and God speaks to me I'm sending you to Glasgow so I bring the word to to Rick Seward and he he, he just tosses it aside you're not going to Glasgow can't get on with your work just like that that was my word that was my seed that was my future but you see there's a church And you must never disrespect the order or the function of God. So I secretly made a commitment to God. God, I will not disobey the church. I will not disobey. And what I'm told to do, I will do till the day I die. Unless the structure lets me go elsewhere. You know I want to go to Glasgow. Do you know, listen to this. Miracles. When you obey God and you honor the structure of the church, he will move mountains to honor you. Two years later, I found myself driving through Los Angeles with Rick Seward, going to a meeting with the very person that was supposed to be here this morning, (laughs) the very guy who was supposed to take over this church. And that was a trick that God played. And as we drove to that meeting, Rick suddenly went, oh, you're with me. Oh, goodness. We were there for another reason. I'm going to the meeting, and this is the guy who... And I sat in that car as we drove along. I thought, Jesus Christ, when I obey you, When I honor men, my leaders, you honor me. And here I am getting the very thing that I wanted, which was to come to Glasgow. I got it by obedience to you, Lord Jesus. By not being cheeky, rude, arrogant, self-seeking, but by serving the church and being obedient to my elders. And you have opened. And when I was in that meeting that day, nothing happened, but I just knew this is a miracle from God. Treasure the word. And when I left the States knowing God is working on my case, God is fighting for me. And the day will surely come when I will have what he promised me. Amen? It takes time. Very often it takes time. As I said at the beginning, it seems to me. The better the promise, often the longer the wait. But it's worth waiting for. And the last one, 
you finally come to labor and to birth. In Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2, it says that the Holy Spirit was hovering over the water. And, and the word there is, is, is similar to a hen hovering over her chicks. And this is God we're talking about. When in, 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 in the Psalms, in Psalm 90, it says that God gave birth to the mountains. And these same principles he lives by himself. Our question for these few weeks is very simply this. Lord, teach us how to pray. And today, I just want you to know the foundation of everything is the fact that God gave us authority on the earth. Authority was given to men. And we have that. And all day, every day, the Holy Spirit simply looks for someone to use. Someone to pray through. Someone to trust and whisper to so that you can pray and see God's will done. That's how to pray in the will of God. Okay? Bow your heads one moment as we invite the worship team back. Tonight we're going to look at other aspects of prayer, which is what happens if the prayer doesn't start with God? What happens if it's a wish that I have? And tonight we'll see how to pray for something that you want rather than something that God is asking you to pray for. God, I commit us into your hands. Would you teach us how to pray? Teach us, Lord. Guide us. Educate us in what to do and how to do it, Lord. I just give you a moment to make your peace with God in this area and to open up your temple and to let the Holy Spirit guide you and lead you in prayer. I could just have the worship team back at this time. Hallelujah. Maybe one or two of you just want to pray out loud and commit ourselves to these next few weeks where we're going to look at this subject. Hallelujah.